Welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited about this conversation being with y'all. Y'all are two of my favorite people and high on the list to have in the studio to talk about your personal and professional experiences with Cumberland Heights, but also about Stillwaters and anything else that might sort of come up. But we have Heath Chitwood, who is the executive director of the Stillwaters program, founding executive director, and has somehow managed to keep that role for 13 (laughs) years. That's amazing, huh? Yeah, we can talk about that in our shared history. And we have Alexis Salyer. Correct. Who is, what's your new, okay, outreach coordinator. Still outreach coordinator, yep. Mm -hmm. But really a super employee in that you do (laughs) a lot of things for Cumberland Heights and Stillwaters. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, welcome Jack in. Patrick. Glad y'all are here. Maybe that's the new job title, super employee. Super employee. I like it. We'll yeah. see if we can get that approved through <laughs> HR. Don't yeah. tell them it came from me. <laughs> so, uh, Heath, let's start with you. Talk about your experience in Stillwaters. Where did all this start? Oh, wow. Well, 13, uh, 13 years ago, the former CEO, uh, Jim Moore, asked me to uh, come meet him for lunch. And he said, we got this property down in Lobelville. He said, this this beautiful property, and we got to figure out something to do with it. And he said, I've had all these people tell me what they want to do with it. And I decided that I want to start a program down there that is was like what I went through 35 years ago that I got sober in, which was a basically – a program that was based strictly on the steps, the traditions, the fellowship, uh, spiritual connection, and um, with a tight community. I originally said, uh-uh, nope, not going to the woods in, in my career. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, we'll pray on it and uh, tell, give me an answer by next week. So I did, and I finally came back, and I said, okay, I'll do it. And I had some conditions, and one was that I could bring with me a gentleman that meant a lot to me, and he was working for me at the time, Richard Dorn. And um, that was one condition. That was the main condition. And I got to basically create this. We could, Me and Richard could create a program we thought that would help get people sober, you know, and uh, more of a traditional type, quote, treatment. And um, it kind of started from there, you know, me and Richard – Went down there six months. We sat back to back, we call it, to to design the program. And when we uh, finished, we we looked at each other and said, "Okay, what is what is the goal of this program? When someone finishes this program, what is the goal?" And we came up with, "We want them to walk out of there having begun to have a spiritual awakening." And um, we feel pretty good about what we put together, you know. And one of the byproducts that we never would have imagined and we couldn't imagine at the time was the, the intense work that's done there created such a brotherhood and now also a sisterhood because we have a women's program. And uh, it's been beautiful to watch. It's just been beautiful to watch. So that's kind of how it all came about. You know, he gave me this big framework to work within and he trusted me and Richard to put this program together. I love the Stillwaters program. You know, um, it's unique. It is unique. And, of course, you can trace a little bit of your history from the retreat in Minnesota. 
Yes, and we're a 12-step, I'd like to clarify, we're not your traditional treatment. We are what's called a 12-step immersion program. So we immerse them into the 12-step um, program, lifestyle, you know, everything about it is, is immersion into the 12 steps. Uh, when we got started, I went up and I was invited by, John, I called John Curtis over at, up at the retreat, and he invited me up, and he said, come up. And he's a wonderful man. He, he, you know, he was one of the founders of the retreat. Uh, he's become a good, a, a major mentor in my life. And he basically said, take whatever you want from this program and use it. He said, you may, you're going to have to adjust it probably for what you need, but take what you want, leave the rest. Just every once in a while, you know, remind people that we helped you out and that you're, you're, based on a kind of a retreat model. And um, some of his guidance in the early years was invaluable right. to our survival. And right. I still stay, stay in touch with him, you know. It's been kind of great because I was able to recently give back to him, and we can talk about that later, but he's adopting our recovery coaching program that we created at Stillwaters. So it's pretty nice when you can give back to some people that gave to you so freely. Talk about it now. Oh. Tell me about it. <clears throat> recovery coaching? Well, I kind of go back. We kind of have to break down to get to recovery coaching, kind of how Stillwaters has grown over the years. Uh, it's organically grown based on what we felt someone needed. And um, so we grew from a 30 to 45-day program, you know, to now someone can stay with us. You know, in the Stillwaters Brotherhood, Sisterhood, for up to over a year. And, um, but the recovery coaching program is kind of that last piece that whenever they leave, um, they can sign up for recovery coaching for six months. We have this great recovery coach named Sean Harrell, who is just a magician. Shout out to Sean. Shout out to Sean. Sean. We love Sean. He has done. He, I've never met a man that works with newcomers and early recovery guys better mm. than Sean Harrell. Mm. And uh, I recruited him, and he has done a phenomenal, phenomenal job with that program. And that's one of the reasons it's become such such a success and the reason, you know, the retreat really was interested in picking it up. That's really cool. So John's considering integrating some of that programming at the retreat? He already is. Oh, He's already cool. hired a recovery coach. We sent him our program. Yeah. Said, this is what we do. Because yeah. when I left there, he sent me his program. Yeah, sure. And, and he asked for it. And I'm like, I would love to send you this program. So we send yeah. him the phase systems and all this kind of stuff that they go through. And he started calling me. And then he hired somebody. And they called me and got with Sean. So they're in, they are integrating this into their program. That's really cool. So, simple question. Why do y'all think Stillwaters works? Hmm. Why don't you talk for a minute? Yeah. I think it's the living aspect of Stillwaters. I mean, first of all, it's long-term, which is wonderful, as we know. Um, But it's also, you know, it's a minimum of 30 days. We have have plenty of people who come in and do 30 days and stay sober long-term. So I don't think it hinges on that. But... um, for me, it, it's it's the living of the 12 steps, you know. Um, it, it's the practical application of it. When I, you know, I'm a Cumberland Heights alumni. 
um, I got the best treatment in the world. Um, and at the time, Stillwaters for women wasn't, a, there's a whole story with that, but, um, which I'll tell in a, tell in a little bit. But um, when I, I went through Cumberland Heights um, and, and I, I got out and I remember stumbling and just trying to navigate how, how to live a life in recovery, especially as a 21-year-old in a new town. I'd never had any, any experience um, developing my own community, just nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just stumbled for a long time. So I think it's the community and then that that practical application of the steps and and getting to they 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 just get a really uh, a core fundamental understanding and you know and then it's more about just continuing what they were doing every day mm-hmm. at Stillwaters when they get out rather than having to take what they'd learned and start applying it they just continue applying it mm-hmm. does that make sense it's a great summary mm-hmm. let me I tell like, I like to I like to describe it as we're not just a 12-step based program. We're a 12-step living program. So they're mm-hmm. living everything they do and s- that people that have long-term sobriety do every day, they're doing while they're there. And so when they leave, it's kind of like, oh, this is what I do. Yeah. This is, I just continue doing what I was doing at Stillwaters. It's a really lateral step, you know? Yeah. I'm going to tell a story. So I, I think I'm in some <coughs> ways uniquely <coughs> equipped to highlight kind of what you guys are talking about by way of, you know, living, um, a 12-step program in a treatment setting and like really pragmatically for anybody who's curious or listening really what we mean because Heath you're right a lot of programs are 12-step based and it's a beautiful thing about our field specifically in Mm -hmm. substance use disorder treatment behavioral health is you know there are a lot of legacy programs that have been around for a long time that have really grown in parallel to psychological science broadly but you know I was a patient at Stillwaters 13 years ago resident Excuse me. There you go. See, it's different language. <laughs> I was a resident at Stillwaters 13 years ago. And um, I remember, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to tell this story, which will be interesting to get chopped up and leveraged in some kind of medium somewhere. But, you know, I I remember um, one of the nights that I was there, my roommate at the time, whom I don't even remember who that was, but I I lived uh, while I was there in the main house, kind of down the hill um, on the right-hand side of the entrance. So it's a little cottage, farmhouse cottage on the Stillwaters property in Lobelville. And uh, at that time, no phones were allowed on site. And this individual had gotten a phone in or whatever. And maybe it was actually an iPod, like the old school, like, no, you know, it wasn't even a screen. You had to kind of scroll your finger. It makes me feel kind of old now, right? Like, and it clicked, like, you know, when you got to the song you wanted or whatever. The shuffle. Yeah, the shuffle. Well, in the iPod, maybe it was. But so that night, it probably was a shuffle or an iPod touch or something because it played, it had audio embedded in it. So we were playing music and you know, just two individuals who needed treatment, who were sick, who were experiencing a substance use disorder, the symptoms associated with addiction, and probably some co-occurring disorders, thought to ourselves, you know, I wish we could take this to the next level. You know, I think that we really wish we could listen to this music a little bit louder. And so the moral of the story is, you know, in my disease thinking, which is sounds like harsh language, but it's language of my tradition of recovery, I thought, I know what to do. And 
Heath's office, there is a one of those like at the time probably like uh, transcendent or brand new, but like now they're like you know gas station <laughs> fifteen dollar little Pop foldable uh, corded speakers. And I remember in Heath's office there was one like on a shelf I think or on a desk or somewhere. And so my very next thought was, well, I'll just borrow that so that I can fill this need so to listen to music. It sounds very elementary, but it, it, was, it was a profound experience um, in that the next day I borrowed that from Heath's office. And <laughs> maybe that night, I'm sure it was an incredible musical experience where we were able to jam out and listen to music or whatever. Well, the next day we're in group. And Heath marches upstairs in the crow's nest of this building. It's, it's this uh, beautiful group room that has windows on all sides. It's a circular room called the crow's nest. And Heath comes in there and interrupts group and very politely. That's how I'll tell the story. You can but, tell it that way. It was pretty, co- it was pretty <laughs> colorful, I will say. Uh-huh. Sort of demanded that an individual – that there was something missing from his office and somebody needs to own up to it. And there was like a long pause. And, you know, anytime you're caught red-handed doing something, you know, like it's just that, that – your body like heats up, you know, and I just was like, I have to own this. And so I raised my hand and I remember in the moment Heath d- dismissing saying, no, Nick, that I don't need you to take up for anybody here. <laughs> Cause I was like a good resident, you know, I, I checked all the boxes and that's probably a part of my story of some perfectionism and achievement and whatever. But so I went downstairs and of course he was really disappointed and, and we had a conversation and, 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 but you know, Heath could have probably kicked me out of the program for something like that but recognized that it was probably a symptom of my way of being or my lifestyle at the time. So he had me write an essay, which sounds like, um, I don't know what it sounds like, but I got to tell you what it happened is I never forgot it because the essay prompt was, how is this behavior an example of diseased thinking? And I still have that essay and what it taught me, and I had to share it with the group and what it taught me was that I was feeling a need and I didn't consider the people around me to fill that need. And it's exactly what happens in addiction, right? So in my mind, I was borrowing, but in reality, I stole, mm-hmm. you know, to fill this need. And it changed my life and it changed my recovery. And it was a, a very impactful moment. And so that's a part of uh, Nick breaking all the rules at Cumberland Heights and be, being a thief, you know, but being still welcomed as I was and cared for as I needed to be. And that's the beautiful thing about Stillwaters. One of them. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what happens at Stillwaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff. It's one, it. Of, it, it, it's, it's one of the things I love about Stillwaters is, you know, they talk about the structure <clears throat> and all of these things. And when we, when we talk about structure, we're talking about, you know, we just, you know, come to group and come on time and prepared. And, for a while there, I was like, wow, this is okay. But then I remembered I had to learn a really hard lesson early in recovery. I was, I was 22 and, and barely sober. And, um, and I would, I remember I would make these friends or I would have family in town or, or whatever it was. And I would consistently arrive late. Like I would just, I, it's just, I would just arrive late because I'd always done it and I didn't, I didn't see anything, an issue with it. It's a pretty common thing. You know, I, I don't take offense to it much, but 
I lost, I lost a friend early in recovery because, you know, and she just, she just said, you just don't respect my time. It's, it's you doing that is telling me that your time is more valuable than mine. And, um, and so when I, when I came to start working at Stillwaters and I got familiar with the program and I did a whole immersive experience in it and, you know, all of this and, and the on time thing was big, you know, they'll do something, you know, if, if someone's late, you got to arrive early, 10 minutes early to group for, you know, the next two days, whatever that looks like. Um, and I loved that because I would, if I could have learned something like that earlier and, and if it was explained to me in that way of this is the message that sends, you may mean it really nonchalantly, you know, just, I'm just a late person, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was a hard lesson that I had to, and there was a much bigger consequence than me showing up to group 10 minutes early for a couple of days. You know, I lost right. someone who was important to me. And so that's another thing. There's just a lot of things that are kind of like that livable aspect of still waters. So. My favorite thing about recovery <clears throat> and is that recovery doesn't care what you think about it, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And still waters taught me that, you know, um, it, it cares about what you do. And that's not to say that you need to do it some certain way. That's not what I mean. But just an action-oriented lifestyle grounded in, you know, um, vulnerability, authenticity, um, and accountability is very helpful as a scaffolding to grow, right? Mm -hmm. So for those that don't know, and, I, you know, I know you guys are well aware, but at Stillwaters, you guys use the flat book of Narcotics Anonymous to work through steps. And if you're not familiar with the flat book, check it out. The step working guide, it is a beast. In fact, the first step is 69 <laughs> questions and they're not, it is not a walk in the park. Mm -hmm. And the questions are designed to elicit a response and identifying and helping to begin to construct a relationship with self, others, um, and God or your higher power. And what I love about Stillwaters is that's what the groups are focused on oftentimes, you know, and Heath, you can comment about this with Richard in the early days, but the, the step, the step working groups are often hours and hours and hours long. And what I loved about it was all the peer feedback. So, you know, I presented on my first step, it took maybe 10 hours, I remember. And there were those that were there with me asking me hard questions about some of my uh, answers. And they were highlighting the incongruence between who I was in group and who I presented to be outside of group. Mm -hmm. And what that taught me, what Alexis was highlighting what that taught me was what recovery is really like to be known mm -hmm. and to and to really invest in intimacy with other <coughs> men in recovery or other peoples in recovery to help me learn a new way of life period right and so when i left when i left cumberland heights i thought maybe i'll get high again when i left stillwaters i thought i need to get to a meeting immediately <laughs> Right. Yeah. And that's not to say that bad treatment happens at different places, but Stillwaters just really gave me an introduction into what it's really like to work step work, mm -hmm. not 20 consequences. Mm -hmm. Right. What it, the, the, and it's not about my insight of how, because there's a lot of people that go through treatment all over the world that are really excited about the potential of being clean and sober and being in recovery. Right. But so often those people do not stay clean and sober. Yeah. Right. And so there's a difference there of getting some pride. And that's that's a beautiful thing that I love about Stillwaters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we started, um, as we were designing the program, I went on a massive search. I wanted the most intense step work we could find because <laughs> I said, uh, we've got that's got to be the core, you mm -hmm. know. And 
when I came across the NA Step Guide, nothing compared. I mean, other 12-step programs don't offer anything like that step guide. Formal. Formal. A formal thing like that step guide. And so what we, what we learned to do as we did it was to dissect it as counselors. So when someone is presenting, we're, we've learned how to dissect it. But it also, because the peers have seen it done, uh, you know, everyone that's, that's in that group has seen it done or had, have presented their first step, it becomes very, very intensive. I mean, it, it takes, it's 69 open-ended questions, like you said. It takes about a week. And your first week there, it's going to take you that long to probably get it ready. And then it's going to be presented, usually it's going to take 8 to 12 hours or more in group to present it. That's how deep of a dive we go in the first step because we truly believe that it's when I mean, we're looking at a first step problem, especially mm. people that have been to treatment before and wind up with us, it's mm. a first step problem. Mm. You know, what's the first step problem? <laughs> they have not admitted they were powerless, and their lives unmanageable. You know, you know, the first step is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Our lives have become and our our lives have become unmanageable. Mm. And if people haven't come to terms with that, and, and truly looked at that deep, and because they say in you know in the rooms, twelve uh, step rooms that that's the only step you have to do perfect. The rest is is on a continuum, and so our major goal is to get people through that first step. And it's like when I would do group with somebody. Okay, here's how I described it to them. I was like, look, look, man, you are sitting right now. You're sitting in a dark room. And complete darkness and, you, and you're surrounded by your disease the darkness is your disease and it's our job to come in there with lights flashlights lanterns whatever and to illuminate every dark corner of your disease so you see it truly as it is and it can't fool you anymore and uh, so by the time our first steps over the you know the goal is that this 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 disease has been lit up and the person is able to say yes you know I am powerless and my life is unmanageable how do you know Heath how do y'all know how do you know that somebody's had that experience in group do you know yeah we do because mm -hmm. if, if we because the group decides mm -hmm. the group decides they know the person as well as we do mm -hmm. see another thing about our groups it's not I used to see um, traditional treatment. Lots of times, it's a, it's a what I used to call one on one, uh, one on one counseling in a group setting, where it's just a counselor pulling out and pulling teeth, and we call it pulling you know pulling the information out. In our groups, it's the it's the community, it's the peers. So when that first step's over, when they've presented everything, it's based on the group to give a thumbs up or thumbs down, not just the counselor or the person. So we trust the group, and lots of times. People will say, no, start over. You didn't do it right. Mm. You did not, you, you're, you haven't done this first step. You've not completed the first step. You're not ready for step two. Doesn't happen. Do residents time. ever get um, upset with that? Oh, yeah. 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 But usually after about 24 hours of a process through that, because they trust their community and because, you know, they're going to leave this group and then they're going to go outside and they're going to have deeper conversations without staff present. They're right. Like, hey man, this is why I think, you know, that maybe we need to let's, let's circle back to this or that, you know? And so that understanding is going to come around a little bit. And, um, and, and almost always 
once it is done, once they go back into it and, and come out the other side of it, they can feel it and there's a behavior change, you know, um, you're talking about the, the first step, you know, a, a lot of, at least my experience with the first step, you know, was I was, I had no doubt that I had a drug and alcohol problem. That was not, I, I, and so I was so confused when people kept telling me I had a first step problem because I was like, <laughs> I promise you I'm clear crystal. Right. I've I, read the step. Yeah. I agree. And I, I acknowledge sold. Right. Like, but I keep ending up here. No one is telling me why. And they're like, you had a first step problem. I'm like, no, I don't. Um, but I did. And it was the second part of that first step. It was the unmanageability. It was, I was, I was interpreting that as, you know, okay, yeah, obviously my life is unmanageable. This is my third time here this year. Um, I have a room in Hazel Hawkins, like assigned, um, the staff knows me, my name just walking across campus at this point, but it was the second part. I was taking suggestions piecemeal. I was, you know, doing, this or that. And I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to get honest with a sponsor though. I'm not, whatever it was. I, I thought I still, that unmanageability side, I still thought that I could figure it out. You know, I could do it. And so that is a lot of times something that once they get to the other side of that first step, um, that it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's a behavior change, you know, yeah. our, our case managers, like we do a, a weekly, uh, care manager meeting and they, they'll talk about they don't even they don't even discuss recommendations until after a first step's over. Just not even it's not even brought up. You know, we don't talk about it. We that don't That is so interesting. Nope. They don't they don't discuss it. They don't want to discuss it, you know, because nothing no work's been done yet. They don't they they want someone to experience still waters. And that is what experiencing still waters is, is getting to the other side of that first step and oh my God, I feel lighter. I can I don't feel completely light but I can take a breath and I feel like I can breathe a little bit and, and you, you feel that relief while you're in a setting and then they don't even have to push it at that point. Then it's just like, what do you think about this? And it's like, yeah, let's keep going. It's also probably very wise. Mm-hmm. Just, okay. We know that an assessment's been completed, a part of the intake process, somebody has been placed and agreed to come to Stillwater's men or women's facility. Terrific. Great. Fantastic. But you're right. Until we really get into and look at the state of somebody's life and the potential barriers within their system, themselves, their belief structures, whatever it might be, that should dictate kind of the dosage, if you will, mm-hmm. of treatment. That's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. So so to kind of build on top of that, I suppose I have two questions, you know, 13 years later, what is the, mm, what is a regular day for a resident look like? And how long now that you have a work program, you can, you guys can talk about this too, the work program and the extended programs outside of primary, how, how long are, are residents usually with y'all in your programs now? What's the standard? What's the tradition? It's, it, you know, some people, what's your average length of stay, you know, I would say our average, we don't use usually 45 to 60 days, I would say, is our Mm -hmm. average. But we have so many different options ongoing after. What we call our primary is our first 30 to 90 days. And the goal of that is to get through five steps. Mm -hmm. You know, the goal of that is to get through five steps. So there, it takes at least 30 days to get through three. 
because we go so deep, you know. So lots of people, to get the four and five, they'll stay another. And, and we always base this on primary based on how long, long they need. We don't just re-sign them up for another 30 if they haven't gotten to five yet. We're like, okay, how long do you, let's see how long you can you need to be in primary. Is it seven more days? Is it 10? Is it 12? And we kind of base any kind of uh, extension to that portion based on the need of, because when they get through five, they're ready. They're either ready, for their, they're ready for their next phase. And some people that's, that's we need to, to go home, you know, get in our aftercare program. Uh, recovery coaching could be a really great option at that point. But those that decide to stay longer, and you'd be surprised how many decide to stay because they want to keep working on the steps. We go into our transitions program. Transitions program is a 90-day commitment. It's after your primary. And what you start, you do really in-depth work on your character defects, okay? And um, you start getting life skills because this program came about because people were getting out and going to sober living, but they needed some they needed some life skills as mm-hmm. well. But and they had to work on their character defects to have some life skills, you know. So that we have them go through financial peace. We've had people get their uh, real estate license, their GEDs. You know, there's a lot of things that we can do within that transitions program to give them the life skills they need for when they get out. And uh, many after that will sign up for the recovery coaching, go to sober living. Um, but there's a few that want that actually want to stay longer. And so we offer um, an option of what we call our volunteer work program. And those guys will stay with us an additional four to six months. And they, they work 20 hours a week on the property helping us out. And uh, they get to stay that extra time. And that's kind of how they pay they pay for it or pay back. So it's really kind of a it's a it's a volunteer work program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I love uh, that program. Mm-hmm. That well, piece of it. Yeah, it's kind of weird it's great. because everything that was designed at Stillwaters was based on a need, and some people need longer. That's that's one of the things that some people just need longer and more work in a safe environment. And the way we combine these three programs together, they can do that up to like 10 months. They can stay on property. Now, in the transitions and the work, volunteer work program, they get more, a little freedom, you know. They get passes. They, it's, you know, they're given a little more yeah. rope. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, but they can still come back to this safe place after those passes or after that. And, um, and then, of course, after that is the recovery coaching program, which is six months, and it's amazing. And it's so amazing. People sign up sometimes. They keep resigning for a year and a half just because they love that ongoing support. Yeah. And the families love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear we're going to pull some data out of that too soon, which is good. Yeah. Uh, keep on the notice for that. Huh? We're going to pull data out of a lot of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, when I, w- I was at Stillwaters maybe two months ago with Joey Darby, and I think we had lunch with y'all, and I hadn't been in maybe a year on site. Some, some, a long, maybe actually pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a reminder because I saw the work guys working, you know. And when you walk on site, you know, it's it's a everybody says hi to you. There's just a unique culture. I actually got emotional that day. Mm-hmm. Culture, I love that. Let's go back to that. Go ahead though. There's a unique culture, you know, of the guys that 
you know, we go into the dining hall and we ate, you know, everybody cleaned up immediately. Like it wasn't a, hey, I want to act like a guy got a broom. Somebody else was wiping on the counters. Two other guys were washing dishes. It was just a part of the expectation, a part of the milieu, right, that you do that, that you kind of give back by way of the process. And I remember experiencing that as a resident when you show up and, you know, you're probably grumpy, which I can be grumpy on any given day, let's be honest. But, you know, that climate of culture is just, hey, we expect you to be a part of the atmosphere of recovery, mm-hmm. you know, and come as you are. And so it's a beautiful thing probably for y'all to watch residents literally transform from being unsure, afraid, why am I here? Who the heck is Heath? Why is Alexis talking to me about case management or whatever, you know, to really being a part of a change process that I actually, I would summarize it as a cheat code. Because mm. mm. so many people that are listening to this, you know, and, and uh, good friends of mine maybe that are that are in recovery themselves have experienced the change processes that y'all are describing organically outside of a meeting house or in a, in a sponsor's living room. You know, those those profound moments where the fabric of our character begins to shift. And it, it feels good most of the time <laughs> until your higher power starts to invite to work, for you to work on your relationships yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah. But Stillwaters is that um, manufactured environment where you get to experience that in a safe place mm-hmm. all at once. And that's what I think I see the men and women that experience Stillwaters take into the community, mm. you know, not only that, but those folks that go on to become professionals in the field, I can name a few right off the top of my head. You know, it's an amazing thing to kind of be a part of. Um, it's um, a couple of things you just mentioned. It made me think of stuff, you know. Yeah. Some people, are when they say visitors come, at the first of the meal, they're so surprised, you know, because none of the residents will eat until the guests go first. And then you'll they'll be... What can I get you? Can I get you something to drink? I mean, so they're they're all ser- they're practicing service work while they're you know having their meal and trying to help other people get their drinks. Can we get you some dessert? You know, what is that? Let me take your plate. And and people are just overwhelmed. Like, wow, what is going on? These these and it's all because we teach them, you know, the service the mm-hmm. service aspect of it. It's like that's part of our psalms. Mm-hmm. We call it. And um, so that was, uh, you're right. It's kind of ingrained at that point, and people, it is a wonderful experience. Yeah, they still do that to me. I've been there for four years. and As if, an employee? As an employee, yeah, not a guest, but if I'm on property, I go first, and they, they every time, you know, and the same at, I mean, obviously same at the women's, but with the women's. it's, you know. Talk about the women's program. Yeah. When did the women's program get started, and how's that journey been? 2015. Yep, late 2015. Um, I remember that very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I adore that program. Stillwater's Women is a <clears throat> it's a big part of my story, even though I'm not an alumni. Hmm. Um, I'll tell it. It's it's a good story. Yeah, and shake it, out. It, it, tell it. it. Let me, you know? let's, tell it. Let's tell it. Um, so it's just, I, I just love, I love it. In uh, April of 2015, I was, um, 
about to check into Cumberland for my third time that year. Um, I was just on that repeat offender cycle, and I had a good friend who wouldn't mind me talking about this. He is now the director of YMP and Extended Care, Mr. Jeff Wilson. Shout out, Jeff. Shout Shout out, out Jeff Jeff. Wilson. Um, Also Stillwater's alum. No. No, staff. No, he's an emerit. He's an alumni mm-hmm. emerit. We call him like an emeritus because he came as on staff and he believed in it so much that even as he went and did other things, he incorporated Stillwaters. He refers to Stillwaters. He talks. He's Got a it. champion. Yeah. He's a champion of Stillwaters. I stand corrected, Jeff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he was a good friend of mine at the time because um, I had been in Nashville just bebopping in and out of the rooms for a while and I knew him then and I, I went to I went to my home group business meeting um, right before I needed to go back to treatment. And I showed up to that business meeting, and as God would have it, no one else showed up except for Jeff Wilson. So oh. we couldn't have a business meeting. So poor Jeff ended up having to sit outside this meeting house with me for 45 minutes while I just, just, just went on and on and on and just cried and about what was going on. And he, and he just sat there and he just listened. And then at the very end of it, he said, okay, here's what you're going to do. He said, the women's still waters program is opening in about 30 days. You're going to go and you're going to check back into Cumberland Heights and you're going to stay there and you're not going to move. And you're going to go to, you're going to go to still waters. You'll be the first still waters resident. That's what he worked at still waters at the time. This was again, 2015. He was still working out at the men's mm-hmm. program. I was very familiar with still waters because they were a massive in the, the men's program was massive in the recovery community. Um, several of the people I looked up to were alumni or staff. Um, so anyway, I checked into Cumberland, April, 2015. Um, with all intention of being the first. And I was a perfect candidate for it. Three times one year, Melissa was like, yeah, you're going. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then as luck would have it, there was construction delays and, um, you know, insurance dependence, all of the things that come along with um, treatment. Stillwaters for Women didn't actually open until October or November of 2015. So wasn't an option for me, but I was supposed to be Stillwaters Got Women's it. first resident. Um, honorary first resident. Honorary first resident. And then after um, I spent, I got, that was, I got sober then, you know, I, I went through Cumberland and I was done. I, I finally had that fundamental understanding and I, I stayed sober and I was, um, I'd been sober for a year, maybe two years. Um, I was sponsoring women in Nashville and Stillwater's Women was still very new, you know, um, what they do for sponsorship today for the most part is reach out to past alumni who are still sober and want to stay involved. And so that's who they use for temporary sponsors. But back then with it being a new program, wasn't an option. So they went to the recovery community and I was able to sponsor some of the first women to go through Stillwaters. Um, and so, uh, some of my earliest sponsees were Stillwaters women. I did, mm. I did my very first fifth step as a sponsor Wow. on the porch downstairs at Stillwaters women. And so that place has always meant a lot to me. And just getting to watch it grow and change, you know, um, it, it's it's designed. The program is the exact same as the men's. It's designed. I mean, that's what I was going to ask. How is it different? How is it the same? Same program. Same program. I think the approach is different. As I don't know that I would say the, the approach is the wrong word. Um, women and men, you know, it's just it's just different. You know, men, you can kind of just this is the fact. You know, and Women sometimes, at least in for me personally, I don't like to speak for other people, but sure. for me personally, as a woman in recovery, 
sometimes I had I had some sponsors that kind of had to sneak in the facts, you know, maybe without me noticing that sure. they were doing it. Um, because, and as quiet as it's kept, we probably sneak in the facts for men yeah, too. We but do. Keep going. Yeah. We do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I hear you. But it was in my nature. If someone comes to me, you know, with this hard truth, I'm I'm running or sure. I'm pushing back. One of the two. Um, and right. so I think that may be. But for the most part, no. It's it's the same. You know, they still. And really, that that what I'm talking about there that slight change in approach, I guess, is only in the beginning because when they get through that first step and they experience learning these facts about themselves and they experience that relief, the doors are open. Then you're in. The doors yep. are open. And you're you know, going. And it's exact same Motivated. You want to exactly. be a part of it. Yep. Yeah, so the alliance might be a bit different, That's which is probably different based on the person too, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the way I look at it is is like because in both programs, one thing we haven't mentioned yet is we only hire into these programs first step tw- uh, f- uh, front row twelve steppers. Right. That's what that's a John Curtis term actually. Front row twelve steppers. Those that w- that are in recovery, walk to walk, talk to talk, know the literature, home group, sponsor, sponsor. So the only difference is in how a man works with a man compared to how a woman works with a, in recovery works with a woman. Exactly. You know. So there's there's nuances. To right. That, but the work is the same. The same. You know, the same 12-step, uh, same step guide, the same everything, the groups, the options, the transitions, everything, they match. But it's just the, the nuance of how women work with women compared to how some men work with men. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Talk about Heath and Alexis because, we, you know, we've talked about this before, so I'm kind of cheating a little bit. But, <laughs> you know, talk about the challenges of managing programs that are where they are geographically. I'm, I'm kind of interested in that. It, it's... It's a little bit unique, like the headquarters where we are here for Cumberland Heights Foundation is right outside of Nashville, West Nashville. It's 10 minutes, really, from the city, Um, although we're pretty, you know, we're in the country, if you will. Um, But Stillwater's Men is is out there in Lobelville, which is a great community. And Stillwater's Women, Pegram. Mm -hmm. And it is also around a bend down a hill, (laughs) you know, a little bit further yonder. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So... Are there unique challenges related to that, or, um, or is the it only, a strength? It's a, well, uh, it's a unique challenge kind of for the men um, because of the distance. Um, something that we do at the men's is, is our schedule, how we schedule the, the staff scheduling is. Yeah, talk about that. Staff scheduling is, is, is kind of a waterfall scheduling is what I, you could call it, I guess. I think it's been called a waterfall. Mm-hmm. I call it a waterfall. We'll go with waterfall. It's waterfall scheduling. So what happens, because the men are so far away, they choose to spend the nights there. So they'll spend two nights, work three days, and um, before they come back to their homes, just because to travel, you know. Every day would be too much. Every day yeah. is too much, so they choose to spend the night there, and um, which is actually very... Um, it really kind of works magic because our, the staff lives with the with the guys for three days, you know. Also, and what happens is no one there's not a there's not a shift there's not like a, a weekday or weekend shift. Mm-hmm. So when somebody say you get some people coming in on Monday, you got a different person coming in on Tuesday and somebody leaving. So it kind of waterfalls. So every day somebody's kind of leaving and somebody's coming in, mm-hmm. and that yeah. makes a continuity where you don't have a substitute teacher mm. syndrome yeah. where, mm. you know, 
somebody's going to try to, you know, play another counselor because they're all communicating in a string. They're all communicating daily so they know where everybody is in their work, where everybody is emotionally, physically, and, you know, spiritually. Hmm. So it's a continuity that's that's kind of special to that program because of its location. Yeah, The women are more... Of, a, of a, more of a traditional scheduling. They're closer in town because they're closer. They're closer to in town, but men isn't. Yeah, it's a down the holler. It sure is. They found you know the men's uh, the women don't run into this issue. They're ten minutes from Bellevue. They're you know they can go to meetings. They're very centralized. Um, but the men's program, it's been thirteen years. They figured out what meetings are great in their area, you know, like they don't have to drive to Nashville to find really great meetings. We do because we do want them to get in with that community as well while they're there because that's where most of our um, alumni are going to go is back to Nashville after leaving. Um, But if they're going to an outside meeting on a weeknight, they're not driving an hour Mm. and a half into Nashville and then back, you know, they're going to, they're going to go to Hohenwald or, um, Linden. Linden. Well, what happened? Well, what I hap- forgot. Well, what happened is when me and Richard were designing this program, we lived down in. We would live a week down in, down in at Stillwaters as we were designing it, and so we'd get in the car and let's go find a meeting, and so every night we would go to these small town meetings, you know, and so we kind of found, found. I mean, um, I remember some meetings Linden, you took us to, man, that were like in the middle of nowhere, but they're great. These great meetings. You know, and there's small towns, these small communities around Lobelville, you know. So it's kind of made that special. We have our little, I mean, for years we would, we would call Linden kind of our whole our home group yeah. down there. So To the uh, right. To the right. <laughs> yes. Is that right? Yes. So you get out and go to the right. I knew it. Right. I know yeah. that group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get out. Go no AC, right. which is, you know, <clears throat> it's fine. Certain weather months. All right. I have a big question because okay. I, I know this to be true and I want to make sure you guys get the opportunity to kind of color in between the lines. But, you know, y'all, you've worked at Stillwater's four mm-hmm. or almost six? Four. four, almost four. Four mm-hmm. years. Heath, you've been at Cumberland Heights for a long time. This is time. my 29th year. 29th year. At Cumberland Heights. And you've been at Stillwater's for 13. So how has Stillwater's changed y'all, changed you as people, changed your recovery? Mm-hmm. You want to go first? Go ahead. I can go. I, a lot. I, Stillwater's changed my career first, I think. Um, And then everything else kind of came to follow that. Um, I, I got to immerse myself in this program and I I, I got to be an honorary alumni. Most people, you know, they, they don't, I don't feel like I'm not, you know, if I go to an alumni event, I'm so included and everybody, you know, and so I kind of got this whole community. They probably assume like I did yeah. that you are an alumni. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I got this whole community. I had a recovery community. And I still do. Um, all of those people are, but I'm now I have this whole other side as well um, that I get to see. And I've learned a lot about like, I, I think the the most prominent one is when I experienced a Stillwater step six and seven for the first time, which is currency. 
I had to evaluate my own. I was like, I'm a, I got to go back through. I got to I got to do this work again because I've never done anything like that. Mm. And I started actually incorporating not all of it because six and seven is intense and it's very community led. Mm-hmm. Um, currency is given by the community, so you can't really do it with just a sponsor sponsee. But um, the currency develops a physical representation of your character defects. And so that was something that I incorporated into my step work and, you know, a way for me to work on those character defects continuously. So that was a big thing for me, I think, that I got from Stillwaters. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it changed. It changed. Working at Stillwaters changed my life. You know, I... I I was working in a clinical setting here at Cumberland Heights and I loved it. Still had no idea what I wanted to do career wise though. You know, I was 24, something like that, 25. Um, and just very, I barely gotten into working in, I knew I wanted to work in recovery, but I, I thought, you know, maybe I want to be a clinician or whatever. Um, I just didn't know yet. And then Heath, stepped in. Um, I was a, I was a late applicant into this job actually. It was I funny story. So I, I've always loved Stillwaters. My first, first fifth step as a sponsor was there. And, um, I, when I was, I worked as an RCA, um, before I worked out at Stillwaters. And so oh, I, I was, didn't know that. Yeah. So I was a recovery care advocate for a year here under mm. Casey Hyatt and I was the women's program RCA. And so when the women's program would make a referral to Stillwaters, I, because I had women that were out at Stillwaters that were under my care as an RCA, I was, I was going out there every Tuesday anyway. So I'd go to, I went to the women's program. I was like, Hey, if you guys ever want someone just to take tours out there, I go out every Tuesday, they can just hop in the car with me and go. So I was taking tours as an RCA out to Stillwaters and Will Bell, who was my predecessor in this position, we were, he was leaving and he, he pulled me aside one day and he said, Hey. I think you need to apply for this job. And I was like, I don't know what that job is. <laughs> I, I, know, I, didn't, I didn't know what an RCA right. was. I mean, right. I didn't know what an outreach coordinator was. I was like, what do you do? I don't know. What do you, I've seen you. I know you, but I don't know what you do. He was like, I give tours of Stillwaters. And I was like, I'm already doing that. And um, and so, yeah, I ran into Heath. I walked, I remember I walked upstairs in the dining hall out the front and I spotted Heath across campus. I'd never even met Heath before. And I just yelled across. Campus. I was like, Heath, I need to talk to you. And I just hoofed it across campus and said, you know, hey, what's up? What's up with this job? And he was like, apply, you know, and it was I was very late to the game um, and applying for it. But I don't know how I got off on that tangent. So what was your well, perspective of that? Well, I, w- I had been interviewing and I do a lot of when I interview and I hire, I pray a lot. I still sit on it, and I just it has to have that right feeling because I'm one of those people that I, I believe you don't just get the right person on the bus; you get the right person, you get them in the right seat on the bus. And so when I have to replace somebody, it's it, it takes me sometimes a while. Um, and I had some good applicants, but it just wasn't. I, I wasn't that. I didn't have that. That's the one. That's the sure. one. That's the one. Sure. And so she applied, and she walked in uh, in the office I was using out here at Cumberland Heights and walked in, and in about three minutes, three minutes probably, I knew this was the one I was going to hire. She had. You didn't know had, that, though, did you? I did not. <laughs> and he made me sit in it for a week, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. wow. A week. Uh, I, prayed for, I prayed for a week about, you know. But I had a, I, that was that gut feeling. I was like, I think she's the one. And then I have to look at, you know, but... 
she then I have to process it, but I just kind of knew when she walked in three mm. three maybe five minutes, and then we talked, and her I could tell the love she had for Stillwaters was, mm. was real. So yeah. All right, he's. How has it changed you, brother? Um, you know, uh, Stillwaters is. I feel like Stillwaters is a legacy for me, and and and. It's changed me because I'll tell you. I'll tell you what my history was long before you, because I've been here a long time. Is it was an ongoing joke, not a joke, but a statement said, "Heath will give you two amazing, two great years, and then he'll he'll kind of burn out, or and then he'll move on to something else." You know. So I was still trying. What that was me trying to find my place in this field, and uh, Stillwaters is the place I'd been looking for. And Stillwaters was the ju- the career path that I didn't even know existed because it didn't until it did. And um, it is um, so special to me. It also makes me work a better program. You know, I'm in charge of a 12-step immersion program. So I have to be immersed in the 12 steps. It also has given me the... the, the um, there's kind of a it's given me a brotherhood mm. too. I'm part of that. I feel part of that brotherhood, you know, and I and my and the staff I have are brothers and sisters that they're respected environments and respected programs, you know. And um, we feel like we feel like a family. It's like a big big family. When you look at the staff, the alumni, it's a big, huge family, and we didn't have any idea we were going to create that. We had no idea, you know. We had no idea that this culture of this place was going to be what it was. You know, people have tried to copy us, and it, it, they can't because there's a culture that you can't recreate. And uh, it, it's just this ongoing culture of, of recovery and service, recovery and service, brotherhood, sisterhood. So it's changed my life. Uh, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. I can't imagine you doing anything else either, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be frank. You know, like I don't – it doesn't seem right, no. you know, that you'd be in admissions or mm-hmm. finance office or anywhere else, right, you know, mm-hmm. fill in the blank. I, I You know, I just want to say that y'all, y'all represent Stillwaters so well. When I think about Stillwaters, I think about y'all's faces. I also think about Kimberly – think about Ed, I think about Jason, I think about Richard, and the people that aren't working there anymore either, right? Mm-hmm. I think about many others, the 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 characters and the color. I think about Caleb, who's now in admissions, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think about Tyson, you know, I think about the relationships, you know, and those people and the care that they have for those programs. Because it, it really is it's special, special work. You know, it's God's work. Yeah. In, in so many ways. And it's one of the reasons why I'm just so proud to be a part of our team, you know, the greater team, the greater Cumberland Heights team, you know, just like, you know, there, there's, I don't know how many people might admit or begin treatment today, probably about 10. Um, and for each of them, they're most likely going through that experience, which we are very familiar with where, you know, my life's over, you know, or um, that, impending doom in your gut, in your heart that can paralyze you 
in a lot of ways. And so many of those folks are going to drive either up the hill through the gate, down the hill through the gate, down the aggregate driveway in Stillwaters, Mm -hmm. or to an IOP group tonight that hopefully will be able to support them beginning a journey of recovery. Because that's what I tell people all the time, you know, from a treatment perspective, you know, if I meet somebody and I tell them sort of the nature of what we do, you know, they're, well, that's so interesting. It's like, you know, well, we really just introduce people to um, the tools that they need. We intervene, we stabilize, we introduce people to the tools that they need to develop a new way of life. And we try to create an environment, an atmosphere of recovery for them to to heal, you know, over time. And it's a special, um, I think we all have the best jobs in the world for sure. You know? I want to give a shout out to my st- the staff. So Please do. Program. Because they're the ones that create the, that keep this going. Okay, we have the low one of the lowest turnovers rates when people are struggling to get them to keep employees. I, I, we weren't, you know. People are com- the, the people that work at Stillwater is very committed to that mission, you know, and to that vision, and so they're the ones that create this. You know, I don't do it. As I mean, I hope I'm guiding in the right direction. But the, tre- the ones working the trenches, they are the ones that create this brotherhood and this sisterhood, you know. And here's an amazing thing that I like to share. And I don't know the exact number as of today, but last month, there were 24 employees at Cumberland Heights that were Stillwater's alumni. So what, they, what Cumberland Heights or Stillwater's creates is a passion to pay it forward. And that's beautiful. I mean, that's one of the most beautiful things. There's so many people that choose to, like, go into this field after they've gone through Stillwaters that I can't even name them. There's mm-hmm. so many of them, you know. Someone I know sitting in front of me, like, you know, that, that applies. Not my plan, man. What you your know, plan? It was somebody else's plan, I think, but. But yeah. I just, the staff is amazing. The staff yeah. is what carries this torch every day. So what's going on today with Stillwaters? What's going on today? What's going on tomorrow? Mm. Right now, we started, yes, what is today? Two days ago. (laughs) The month of May is our fundraising month for our scholarships. And it is a matching gift campaign. And we're trying to raise $62,500. And, and that'll be matched. And that will be yes. matched dollar for dollar. So everyone that donates during this month is going their their money will be matched dollar for dollar. Where's that? Where do those dollars go? Strictly and and only to scholarships for Stillwaters, mm-hmm. for resident scholarships to pay for treatment to pay for their time at Stillwaters. That's yeah. There's no. That's just strictly where it goes to. It's also tax deductible. <laughs> you know, and. Um, you know, last year we had a big goal, and we meet, we met it. We're like, little, we we were shooting for a hundred, and now, and we we met it and with a little extra. And then this year we've had, we've been very lucky to have some amazing matching donors that are uh, that have put the money forward to say match it, and we'll pay. It. We, you know, we'll give it dollar for dollar. It's amazing, and we're also during this month, thirteenth, mm-hmm. we're having a fundraising event up here at the Pavilion at Cumberland Heights uh, River mm-hmm. Road. We have a fundraising event with alumni coming. We provide a taco truck, and it's it's great. We have we we'll have a speaker. We'll mm-hmm. you know play some music, and it's going to be a, a fundraising party. 
Yeah. And that, that I want to give a shout out to a gentleman named Mason Moore who started that event four years ago. Four years during it was 2020, um, and it was not started as a fundraising mm-hmm. event. It was mm-hmm. started as we want to get back together because it's it's COVID and mm-hmm. we miss you, and so come on out to one of the Stillwater specific sober livings that are in Nashville, and let's let's eat some tacos. And so they asked for donations to pay for the taco truck. And they ended up getting more than they'd uh, than the taco truck cost, so they donated it, and then it grew, and then it grew. And last year, they raised ten percent of that hundred thousand we talked about last year from that from event, that event from alumni wow. and that event. And that was started. And and this is this is the first year where Stillwaters has been like, you know, even that's all that's always been all alumni. They they run that event, they love that, and that's that's their thing. So it's it's great such a it's it's one of my favorite events that we do it may be the favorite event that we do um the alumni picnic in the fall is also amazing but that one That's because it was event. so our, organic yeah, and camp, we have a camp out weekend now this mm-hmm. is re, it's it's awesome yeah that's a, yeah. that's an amazing event People bringing camping and staying for two days basically and and just yeah. celebrating recovery you should come out friday through friday through sunday It'll be, we haven't set a date exactly, but I think we're talking about first weekend in October. You come out, you can bring uh, bring your Airstream. Heath brings his camper. Somebody rented like a big bus RV last year. And then some people just bring tents and come and camp. And we do a whole refresher. So we run groups the whole weekend. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we run, we run groups with alumni and they... They get to refresh. On That's one of groups. the things that I've talked to you all about outside, obviously not in this this uh, gathering today, but, you know, one day it would be interesting for Stillwaters to provide, you know, professional training by way of the groups, you mm-hmm. know, from like a wellness perspective and also our own staff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and alumni. There's something there. We're going to be adding to explore. There, we're going to explore that, and we're we're going to be adding something like we we don't know how that's we don't have we don't know exactly how that's going to look, but we know that something's coming. Yeah, maybe the next step in the in the whole organic growth of Stillwaters. Yeah, yeah. the camp out weekend and refresher sparked from a conversation that all three of us had because we talked oh, really? about how. Mm-hmm. We sat down and we were talking. We were talking about the professional weekend as well, but it was yep. it was from a conversation of what if they what if they could come back? You know, we have this thing at Stillwaters where if you need a refresh, if you are just out, like I think Heath's told me over the years, you know, people just going through hard times because just because I'm in recovery doesn't mean life isn't hard. Um, they well, can come back and and they can stay on property for a week, a weekend, whatever, you know, just passing through. And come to groups and sit in, you know, and as long as a relapse hasn't happened, all alumni are welcome to do that. So that if, you, kinda... if you're sober, if you've been sober and you're mm-hmm. struggling, you're welcome to come back and take an empty bed for as long as you need to just hang out and do groups with us. And, mm-hmm. and one story, this guy pulled up in a, on a Harley one day. We're like, Bill, what the hell are you doing here? He goes, well, my wife just asked for a divorce, and I thought this was I needed to get here before I did something stupid. Mm. And he stayed with us two or three days and left in his Harley and dealt with life. Mm. And we've had guys, I remember one story, we had South Florida, a bunch of young men were down there at the time and sober living and sober Stillwaters, and they all took their vacation the same week. They rented a car, and they drove up here, straight 13-hour drive, and they stayed their vacation week 
at Stillwaters to be. I've never heard that. I've never heard doing vacation at Stillwaters. Yeah, that's interesting. They did. That's happened, and and a lot of guys. I mean, this happens a lot. Somebody just want. I want to come back and you know sit in groups, tell my story, be hang with the guys, and so come on. Yeah. Yeah. So from that camp out weekend happened, it's on the it's the same same weekend as the alumni event. So you can come to just the alumni event that happens on the Saturday or you can come for the whole weekend and camp, participate, do groups. It's a great time. That's great. Well thank you guys for being here. Yeah. I love it. I'm thank really you. glad we knocked this out. This is awesome. This was awesome. Over. I must yeah. say I was a little yeah. nervous. I've never done a podcast and I'm like I could do this. It's, this is, it's easy. This yeah. is all right. It's just was it okay that we didn't have formal questions? That's always like... Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I loved yeah. it. That, that was, yeah. you know, and uh, you as the moderator, just mm-hmm. you, asked the, you asked the right questions as a candidate. For now, I appreciate we're looking, it. if you're interested, <laughs> we're looking for a new host of some kind. So, no, it's great. It's uh, We're trying to create a good environment for people to be able to have conversations, not only Cumberland Heights-centric, but also just behavioral health and wellness perspective you know there's a lot that people have have to offer by way of their experiences and we have a lot of friends that are subject matter experts you know and the events that we host the staff that we employ you know and some of our community partners you know we want to hear from them in a more kind of just structured and, and and inviting environment to share we think it's a good use of our time by way of trying to just support our community and you know we're coming up on 57 years as an organization, as a nonprofit. Um, you know, I'm which proud. Is a special thing. I am so proud to be a part of Cumberland Heights. I yeah. believe Cumberland Heights, personally, is the best treatment in the country. If not, we're one of the best. And mm-hmm. I just love that Stillwaters is a part of that. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Well, thanks. We're going to have to have you guys out again. Yeah.